0: For all that remain, our scripture comes from Acts, surprise, chapter 16, verse 11 through 15. It's found on page 1099 in your Pew Bible. Again, that's Acts 16, 11 through 15. Um, find it in your Bible, the Pew Bible, on your device. Uh, the, the pastor who, who was my pastor when I was a baby, he was never really my pastor, I guess, because I didn't understand what he was saying. Um, he, he told me later in life, uh, when I sat before him and he preached and, and he saw some of us not flipping in our Bible, and he, and he goes, well, those who aren't turning to the scripture, I'm just going to take the assumption that you have it memorized And if called upon at any moment, you will be able to recite the word of God in front of the assembly. Um, I opened my Bible immediately after that. Um, I do not have it memorized, and and he didn't seem like he was kidding. Uh, I do want to thank Pastor Chris for stepping up last week and preaching and sharing his gifts and talents with us. Thank you, Chris. That was an awesome and powerful message. It is, it, is a, it is a blessing that um, I can step away and watch from afar and, and hear the gospel preached. It just warms my heart. Uh, uh, we are so blessed to have Chris here and his talents shared with us. Thank you, Chris. All right, let's turn to the word of God. Luke writes these words in verse 11. So setting, ta- so setting sail from Troas, we made direct voyage to Samothrace. And the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside to the gate to the riverside, where there supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Here ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Oh, holy God. May the words of my heart and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're in Paul's second missionary journey. This is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. And if you're keeping track at home, that's missionary journey number two of three. And this time he is not going with Barnabas, rather his partner in in this missionary journey is silas and along the way they also pick up timothy over in iconium as they're trying to make their way to asia paul was really wanting to get to asia now when paul says asia and acts says asia they're talking turkey and like northeastern turkey is what they're calling asia that's where they're trying to get to that's where paul wants to go and so they pick up timothy along the way And when they pick up Timothy, because everyone knows he's the son of a Greek man, he has him circumcised. Now, I know for two weeks we said that Jesus plus anything is not the gospel, that it's Jesus alone in which we are saved. Now, he has Timothy circumcised because Paul's strategy when he goes to new towns is to go to the synagogues because he's a Pharisee and a Jew himself, and he then gets a place where he can speak and he can tell the truth of the gospel in light of the scriptures everyone in the synagogue knows. And then he goes out to the Gentiles to make things easier on themselves. They had Timothy circumcised so he too would be able to go in those synagogues and be able to speak. Not so that he could be saved, but rather so that it would be easier for him to get the gospel message out. So they pick up Timothy, and along the way, somewhere in this journey, they luke joins them because we see the change in language from they were doing this to we. Now we are going places, so it means Luke, who's writing this, is now joined with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. So there's the, these four guys, this band of brothers, and they want to go to Asia. Paul wants to go to, to Magia, and, and the Spirit of the Lord says, no, you can't go there. He, he wants to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of the Lord says no. And then he ends up in Troas, and, and he doesn't even get to share the gospel, for they lay their heads down at night, and Paul receives a vision. Someone standing there saying, Come share the gospel to us in Macedonia. And so that's where they go. They go to Philippi in the district of Macedonia. And so I did some checking. I was like, well, Paul really wanted to go to Asia. And he never got to share the the gospel, even all the way up there in Bithynia. Maybe he got to do it in his third missionary journey. No, he never made it over to Asia like he had planned. For God had ordered his steps to go other places to share the gospel. Instead of going to Asia, he goes over to Macedonia, to Philippi, in which we see over this week and next week, we'll see three conversions in philippi they're the first converts on european soil they're the ones who will bring the movement to what we would call the western world that then for a time period would be home base for missionaries which we recognize today that that europe and the western world and and north america is no longer home base, but the the fastest growing and the largest amounts of Christians are found in China and Southeast Asia and Latin America and Africa. Even if we combine North America and Europe together of even those who say they're Christian and, and we never see them in church or practicing the faith. But here Paul is. He wants to go to Asia and the Holy Spirit's saying, no, you can't go. No, you can't go. No, you can't go here. So he goes somewhere else and says, how about here? No, not there. Everywhere Paul is trying to go to share the gospel, the Spirit is saying no. Paul's a better man than me because I would have been quite frustrated. It would have been easy to give up to hear that many no's, you can't go here, no, you can't go here. Yet Paul persists and keeps on his journey. Until he hears from the Lord in the vision to go to Macedonia. And so they go to Philippi. And Luke tells us it's, it's a major city. It's a city of note. And Philippi was. Philippi is named after Philip the Macedonian from 356 BC when he conquered the area. And then later it would become the, the place of the big battle between Mark Anthony and his friend Octavius, who claimed heir to the throne after Julius Caesar was killed against his assassins, Brutus and Cassius. And there would be the final battle between those men and their armies, with Mark Antony and Octavius prevailing, and there they then, after scattering off Cassius and Brutus, they retired Roman soldiers and let them live there, gave them the good government jobs, the cushy oversight management positions, gave them declarations of land, and then it, it was this big city it was on the Roman superhighway, the Via Ignatia, that crossed from the Adriatic to the Aegean. You can still go there today and see some of the ruins of this old road that made it a trade route and allowed armies to cross over easier. Philippi was a big place, and so as they're there, Paul's strategy has always been to go to the synagogues. So they wait a few days until it's the Sabbath, because then that's when people would be at the synagogue. But there's no synagogue in Philippi because the requirements for a synagogue were that there would be 10 faithful men of of the Jewish men there to form a synagogue. And not only were there not 10 men, there were no men of Jewish faith in Philippi. For when Paul and, and the crew go down to the riverside, all that is there to pray and to hear the word of God are women. And then, as Paul's preaching, as Paul's teaching about Jesus in the Old Testament being prophesied as the Messiah, that he's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, out of everybody there, the Lord only has one of them pay attention. As a preacher, do you know how frustrating that is, if only one of you were paying attention? But here it is. It's it's just one of them. Just one is there paying attention. And her name is Lydia. Lydia, who's a wealthy businesswoman. She's a seller of purple goods. We know she's wealthy because purple goods and purple dye was an expensive object and an expensive thing. She comes from Thyatira, which is the land where they're making the dyes and purple being the greatest and most expensive of them all. And she lives in Philippi as as the leading retailer of purple goods. So she's a wealthy businesswoman, a woman who has some status, but we also know that she is a God-fearer. Like Cornelius, who believes that the God of Israel is the one true God and goes and, and hears the law and the prophets, praise and praise to him. It never converts to Judaism. She is a wealthy religious person in Philippi. And she will be the first convert on European soil. She will be the first one the Lord directed Paul to. The wealthy religious person is the one who needed saving. The one who needed Jesus. And so we we read exactly how this conversion happens. It's in verse 14. One who the one who heard was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Here's the key. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart. Just as the Lord had shut Paul from going into Asia and to Bithynia and in Tauros, the Lord is the one directing the steps and ordering everything that is happening. And the Lord opened Lydia's heart. Not Paul, not Silas, certainly not Timothy, and definitely not Luke. Without a doubt, it wasn't the rabbi because there was no synagogue there. It wasn't one of the other women that opened her heart. And Lydia herself did not open her heart and say, I'm going to choose to receive what Paul is saying as truth. Only the Lord could do that. Only the Lord opens our hearts and has the key to our hearts. He gets all the credit for our salvation. So that no man may boast. Paul can't boast on the conversion of Lydia, Silas, Timothy, Luke. They can't boast on it. For if the Lord had not opened their heart, her heart, there would be no conversion to speak of. But there would also be no conversion to speak of if... Paul didn't play his role as an ambassador and a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. See it's important to note that that's what Paul did. For Jesus called us in the Sermon on the Mount to be ambassadors. Jesus called us in the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus urged those who followed him before he ascended into heaven to go be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. That is the job we have been given. One that Paul took seriously as he traveled around the world. And the Holy Spirit clearly directed him where to go. The Lord opened her heart. Paul spoke the gospel. See, when we realize that it's the Lord who opens the hearts, who softens the hard hearts, that allows them to pay attention, to receive, to hear the gospel as the truth it is, it relieves so much pressure off of us. Because no more do we have to not only witness to Christ. That's what we get to do, but we don't have the pressure of converting someone. That's not our responsibility. We're not to get into a debate and persuade someone. We're not to argue with someone until they come to faith in Christ. Our job is to witness to Jesus Christ. It's the Lord who opens their hearts, not us. So it relieves all of that pressure of performance, of of saying, well, if I'm going to evangelize, I've got to be able to lead someone to Christ. Or or it relieves the, the shame or guilt we may have for saying, I've lived 20 years as a disciple and have never led anybody to faith in Christ. You couldn't do it anyway. That's not our job. Our job is to present the gospel. It's the Lord's job to open their heart so that no man may boast, so that no man gets credit for salvation. Only God gets the credit. We're called to share the gospel. So if we share the gospel to someone and they don't come to faith, we're not a failure. We were faithful. Failure occurs when we don't obey in sharing the gospel. When the Lord has opened our hearts and we've received the gospel, and then just as quickly we shut the door on our own hearts not to let it out to anybody else. You see, the sharing of the gospel praises his name. The sharing of his gospel is our daily worship. When we come together, we sing songs of the gospel of, oh, happy day, how you took our sins away and we were never made the same, that your blood broke the chains of bondage. We sing praises to the Lord in the form of the gospel so that when we tell others of the gospel, we are praising his name. See, if we go to a new restaurant And we find out that they have barbecue brisket, like Texas-style barbecue brisket. And you know your pastor's from Texas. And you go up to them and say, I found the best barbecue place in Jacksonville that has brisket just like Texas. You are giving praises to the restaurant. You are giving praises and glory to the chef. And the same is true when we share the gospel. We give praises to the name that deserves all praise. And glory to the God who saved us. So the Lord opened her heart. To pay attention to what Paul had to say. Now I don't think. Of Paul. As being short winded. Do you? I mean we read Peter's sermons. And and they're way shorter than anything Chris or I ever preach. But Paul. Paul. Paul wrote Romans. Whew! That's a long one. To pay attention to what Paul had to say. We know what Paul's going to say. We see it in all of his writings. He talks about how God promised a prophet like Moses. And how Jesus fulfills that. How Isaiah says he will be despised and rejected by men. And he says... That's Jesus too. And then he goes to David where he says that they will pierce his hands and his feet and they will part his garments among them by casting lots. And he goes, it's Jesus. All of the law, all of the prophets are fulfilled in Jesus, the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. But he doesn't leave them there. Because we know what Paul says. He says, It is faith in Jesus who was nailed to a tree and raised from the dead who takes away all sin. That is Jesus who would carry our transgressions to the cross, past, present, and future. He carried all of them to the cross, not some of them, not the worst ones, not the ones he knew you would commit before you came to faith in Christ, but all of them to the cross. Because Jesus is perfect, spotless, blameless lamb of God. Yet he took on our sins. And he is the provided lamb of God of God for the final sacrifice ever needed for the atonement of sins. When Abraham goes to the mount to sacrifice his son and before he does God says wait I will provide a lamb for you. This is Jesus. When the people are trapped in Egypt and are told to sacrifice the spotless lamb without blemish and spread its blood above their doorway so the Lord knows who to pass over so that they may be saved. It was foreshadowing the blood that would save us through the Lamb of God found in Jesus. It's why on Passover that Jesus was nailed to the tree and his blood was shed. Because he is the Lamb of God who carried our transgressions. That we no longer have to take any further than we take him to the cross. And Jesus has them all. And that precious blood spilled on our behalf. He was our substitute. Because we read in scripture, God is holy and just. Because God is holy and just. Sin deserves punishment. And for those who have faith in Christ, God punished sin in Christ for us. But we also know God is loving and gracious. For the Apostle John says it clearly in his letter, God is love. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what this proves? That's what Paul says. You know what this proves? How much God loves you. That Christ would die for you. That now we are made holy and righteous before God because of Christ. Because of Christ, we get eternity with the Father. Time here is short. Eternity is forever. And we would be wise to spend our time here focusing on what God did to get us to eternity. because He pours his heart out for sinners like us. something happens. As Paul tells of the good news found in Jesus Christ. Because Lydia's heart was open. She hears this and knows it is true. And repents. And is baptized. But the scripture doesn't just move on and say she was baptized. It says, and her whole household. knew that upon hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, that it was exactly what the band just sang. It was the best news ever. (laughs) She told her whole family, her whole household. Before even trying to convince the other women who were gathered by the river to pray with her, she went to her household. See, hey, that's our first mission field. We don't have to travel to Asia, to Africa, to South America, to, to England, to Europe, to Canada, to Mexico. We can stay right here and be faithful missionaries to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It starts in our households. But we don't have the pressure to convert. It's not our job. Our job is to witness To the salvation found in Jesus Christ. To live that way. To speak that way. And then also to share within the neighborhood you've been planted, the jobs you have, the places you shop. Just because you run into a closed door doesn't mean the Lord isn't ordering your steps and has someone for you to go talk to. why he says always have his praise on your lips And so we go we're ambassadors we make disciples and we witness but before we go today we're going to pray we're going to pray that this week that God will open the hearts of everyone we encounter and that we would be unafraid to tell them the best news ever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have brought us salvation through Jesus Christ. We are thankful that you opened our hearts that we could hear the good news as that. The best news ever. Lord, as you have already ordered our steps for this week. We ask that all those we encounter. That you would open their hearts to hear the gospel. And that the Holy Spirit would give us the courage to speak it. May we be unafraid of closed doors. May we be unafraid of a feeling like we need to perform and show results. But may we be faithful to tell others of the goodness and the love you've given us. For it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen.